Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muliwa Kavaza, and for today, we get into a conversation about technology, media, and telecommunications. And uh, we are joined by an expert in the field uh, to give us some insight into what's going on. This is uh, one of those discussions that we've had, um, you know, in a number of uh, different ways and approaches, um, you know, over the last year or so and i'm hoping that today is going to enrich uh, that conversation further just by getting some of the more latest insights into what's going on so to make us understand that we are joined by kumbi uh, gundani who is uh, the head of uh, the telecommunications media and technology practice at uh, standard banks uh, corporate and investment bank for south africa Kumbi, greetings to you today. Greetings, Mindiwa. Thanks for having me. So, we've just rattled off a long title. Um, Technology, Media, Telecoms, Corporate and Investment Banking, Standard Bank. Um, obviously, Standard Bank is one of those names that everyone knows. Biggest bank in the country and I think on the continent. Um, when it comes to Technology, Media, Telecoms, TMT, as some people you know, put it, um, maybe you could give us a little bit of insight into the work that you guys are doing and the team that you're heading. Yeah, thanks a lot. So the way we organize ourselves in Standard Bank is uh, is according to sectors within the corporate and investment bank. Yeah. And we find that simpler because we believe that our clients and our stakeholders would prefer to deal with experts who go deeper rather than who go broader. So a few years ago, we set up the telecommunications and media uh, sector within the overall CIB division. And we have built this practice across the continent. So in every single one of our markets and with representation, obviously, globally as well. Yeah. So we have a team in London, a team in New York, a team in Beijing. Uh, my boss, who's the global head, sits in London. And we initially started by supporting and following multinational corporations, mm. likes of MTN and Vodacom, as they expanded onto the rest of the continent. Yeah. I think this year is 30 years oh, wow. since uh, MTN and Vodacom actually kick-started kick their operations in South Africa. Mm. And we're proud to say we've supported both of them uh, through our corporate and investment banking franchise for those 30 years. Obviously, I wasn't there for the full 30 years, <laughs> yeah. but um, it just gives you the sense of how long we've had experts looking into the sector uh, and supporting the leaders, uh, which obviously started off in the telecommunications wave. Mm. So you'd recall in your early 90s, telecommunications was a buzz both globally and locally. Yeah. We issued a number of licenses in South Africa and also in the rest of the continent. And that birth gave birth to um, the telco operators that we currently have now. Yeah. And at that stage, the focus of the business was to really support them with their growth. Mm. Um, most of the telecommunications growth at that time was mostly CapEx funding, supporting them with their normal trading, building their working capital, etc. And as we love to say with the sector, it consistently evolves. Mm. Uh, and it then moved from just funding CapEx to geographic expansion, 
likes of MTN and Vodacom started going beyond South Africa. Mm. And because we had a presence in those markets and we had touch points, we also started assisting them with that. And once they had fully established themselves, they started breaking themselves up into verticals. Yeah. And that gave birth to tower companies. Yeah. Uh, I think last year was probably an anniversary for most of the tower agreements signed on the African continent, yeah. the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. And so we supported the tower codes, so independent tower codes as they built up their businesses uh, on the continent, as well as the tower codes that remained captive within the MNOs themselves. Mm-hmm. And from there, we moved to fiber, uh, which has been a massive success story in South Africa, yeah. but also broadly on the continent with the likes of Liquid Telecom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now we're sitting at the cusp looking at fintech, data centers, and all the other value-added services that the telco uh, entities bring. And that's created the ecosystem that's then become our business. And that business now, as you phrased when we started, is telecommunications, media, and technology companies, uh, but truly underpinned by the telco infrastructure, which is driving this data explosion and the opportunities that come with it. Okay, cool. I like the fact that you've painted that picture for us because I think it gives us some good context, um, you know, and uh, an idea of where we are, this moment in time where we are, that it's no longer just a simple um, voice and data business that is telecoms, that is underpinning, you know, this entire ecosystem. There's financial services, there's infrastructure, you know, under infrastructure, there's data centers, fiber, all the stuff that you've just spoken about. So perhaps uh, a curiosity, a question uh, that someone might have is to say, okay, the sector has evolved to where it is. Um, You know, it's underpinned, like you said, by this telco infrastructure. Where we are now, we've heard many narratives about slowing um, revenues on, you know, fixed lines. We've heard that, um, you know, subscribers, you know, the the market in South Africa is just too saturated. How can you have 100 million subscribers in a country with 60 million people? All of this stuff. And the natural question comes is to say, okay, where we are in the landscape, um, where is the growth, you know? actually happening or where do you think it's going to come from? Yeah, so I think a big part of the philosophy we have in the bank is to actually look at the underlying trends Mm. and have a more pronounced medium to long-term view Mm. as opposed to looking at what the market currently looks like now. So granted, this is our operating environment, but I think it's a long-held consensus that we are in the digital age. And being in the digital age means we have present-day use cases, which we're applying now, and then we have future use cases, which we have to build for. So if you think about the modern-day highways, that infrastructure in South Africa, in Africa, and even globally is not yet fully formed. So a good data point I like to share is if you think back to close to a decade ago, 2013, fiber to the home in this country was more a dream 
than a reality. I think at that time, there were probably close to 1.6 million or close to 2 million ADSL connections Mm. in South Africa. And dial on to 2015, I think almost every complex in the northern suburbs and every body corporate had a fiber company knocking on their door wanting to install fiber to the home. Now we have a full ecosystem within the fiber to the home space that probably at max has 20 players, but has five dominant players, large dominant with over 100,000 customers connected. That wasn't there in 2013, right? That infrastructure that was built that whole subsector of the economy and the value chain that was built was also built in a period when subscribers were not at the 100 million mark that you're talking about, but probably at the topish end as well. And the interesting underlying current on technology is the evolution part that I discussed. And if you look at ICASA's data, they will tell you, I think in the past five years, the fixed line and the fiber component of the telcos subsector generated close to 70 billion rand of revenues. That's massive. Exactly. And if you think that actually didn't cannibalize any existing revenues, it just took more of the share of wallet on consumers' revenues and with the productivity gains that came from it, also created its own additional income streams. Mm-hmm. So if you think, um, if we go a bit forward and look forward, we are at the point now where potentially in South Africa, um, we can have a very strong fiber backbone which is underpinned both from undersea perspective, long distance, metro, and last mile. Mm. And we're building up a very strong data center capacity. I'm sure you've seen the announcements on Vantage, on Terraco, mm. and all the other players that are setting up ADC, ADC on demand. Yeah. And we have a very strong telecommunications uh, backbone as well from a microwave perspective. So if you think about that infrastructure that will continually have to be invested in, you know, wave after wave of technology evolution and improvement, and if you think about the benefits of that in terms of what it unlocks, we don't even have to get to gen AI. We can just go to the simple perspective that if we did not have as much internet connectivity, what we know of modern corporate South Africa would have probably struggled during the COVID period. And that infrastructure, which is world-class, by the way, if you look at some of um, our connectivity rates, they compete with the UK. Uh, They compete with the US. No, no, it's true. You know, there's sometimes I can be talking to someone who's in, a developed country, states, UK, 
and the, the call will be shaky. And I can confidently say, it's not my connection, that's the problem. And, and to give you additional perspective on this, we were the first bank uh, to back Vumatel uh, with a big check when they were laying their fiber to, uh, to the home. And uh, Neil was the founder at that time. Uh, subsequently, he sold his business um, and left and has gone on to co-found a business in the, U- in the UK that is a reasonable player in the fiber space there with skills and understanding that we built in South Africa. And he's not the only one. I think uh, IT web uh, shared about uh, Greg and Myriad, uh, who also played a big part in the South African fiber ecosystem. We've now set up in the United States. Um, so we have now this infrastructure that can unlock unknown and massive potential for additional layers of technological improvement and in income streams. So if you go to the next layer of what we call in, in, in technology, uh, the application layer, we now all of a sudden can build massive applications that compete at a world-class level because we have this infrastructure. And granted, it's not yet universal, which is actually the massive opportunity, but it's sufficient at this stage to start having green shoots come out of it. And if you look and analyze the data, I think uh, on the rest, the whole African continent in the past five or six years, uh, in terms of capital raises in the tech sector, it's been north of $5 billion. South Africa will account for 20%, close to 20% of that figure. Those applications are being built off this backbone. Those entities that are raising capital, in many cases, foreign direct investment, to build the fintech applications, the security tech applications, you know, the social tech applications, logistic tech applications, health tech applications, are all building it off this infrastructure. infrastructure. So, granted, at a subscriber level, uh, we might be seeing what is a mature business. But from a value-added services perspective, perspective from an income perspective i think there's still a lot of opportunity and we don't give the telcos enough credit this side of the world but they do migrate with uh, the opportunities and they invest Mm. uh, which is really to the benefit of the broader economy if i'm understanding you correctly um your view is simply to say that the infrastructure, you know, especially around uh, technology and telecoms, has been invested into an extent that there's so the 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 biggest opportunity is rather than us looking at let's say a normal telco business case, we should be thinking more broadly to say. Uh, how can other players be building on top of, you know, the foundation that has uh, that has been laid? Am I understanding you correctly on that uh, on that point? Correct. So, if you think, let's look at ICT from a numbers perspective. The 
ICT market in South Africa 2020 to 2023 was anywhere between 30 and $33 billion in size. Most of that application starts, most of that market starts from zeros and ones, then to megabytes, and then extends to what we consume both from an enterprise and a consumer perspective. So if you think about that, 33-odd billion in comparison to the rest of the economy, it's growing at a keg of 67% over the past six years. That is phenomenal growth. Huge. Huge. And a big part of it is global tailwinds driving us. And then the circular ones, which I talked about, which is the digital era, but I think a big part of it is South African IP developing, building new use cases, and creating value. Last year, uh, we had the the honor to work with, I think, one of the most phenomenal tech companies in South Africa, now going to be global, called Intersect, uh, co-founded by Skulk. And Still in Bosch-based, Yes, yeah. but now uh, global, massive global ambition. And this business was built off the back of a use case that affected, I think it was Skulk's family member, around fraud in payments in Stellenbosch. It was then incubated within the South African banking system, NetBank, Standard Bank, Capitec. It's now... Uh, Global player acquired a massive European entity called Modura. Yeah. When do you normally hear that? Yeah, it's, it's rare. <laughs> I remember when I when I read about it, I was like, so they have now acquired, but their strength is from a South African use case, which now has global appeal, and now they're set up in the US, they're set up in Europe, they're set up in Africa. Uh, I think Skulk loves to say that they're two two hours away from any time zone. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's the forward-looking element of it that we always have to have with, with technology. And I think when we look at the global centers of technology, they always, use, they always have a catalyst factor. Uh, I think Silicon Valley was really more built around the transistor initially. And that was the catalyst factor. But the transistor is also an element of infrastructure. Yeah. You know, I think ours is built off our telco infrastructure network mm-hmm. and then the brilliant IP that we've got mm-hmm. and then the unique circumstances that we have when you're a diverse country with a large population and you can essentially create a microcosm of almost every global, uh, massive global center and develop it and scale it. I agree with you there, especially I'm thinking about it now because load shedding is a huge impediment, you know, to businesses uh, across, you know, across different sectors. But because of our unique circumstances in South Africa and the rest of the African continent, I think the we're finally at a point where circumstances are forcing 
innovation, right? I think there's, there are going to be global learnings that are going to come from, you know, whatever implementations are done here, whether it's solar, especially around solar. I'm more bullish about solar. People are a bit wary about things like wind. But the technology around solar, those implementations, the analytics, how people are using, you know, AI to understand, you know, power management, all of that stuff. In South Africa, I think there's a huge, you know, opportunity and South Africa might have an opportunity to actually lead thought and practice. You know, I I don't know what you think, uh, you know, around that. No, it's true. It's not only happening now. Even if we go historically, if you think on a prepaid perspective, the intelligent network, which underpinned prepaid in in this country, Mm. was also a South Africa first. If you think at that time, most of the MNOs were really thinking about contracts. You kickstart your base of contracts. Mm. And the innovation and ingenuity that gave birth to prepaid was trying to solve a problem because in this country at that stage, your user base would be so small if you only looked at the people who could afford contracts. You know? um, so in some cases, what we have as hardship, obviously we prefer not to have it, <laughs> but we should also have a positive perspective around it and try build uh, use cases that solve which is a big part of technology and innovation, that try to solve for your current problems and then see if you can't export it and build it out. And in many cases, you can export it and build it out um, along the way. And that is, I think that's the, the huge opportunity we have. Even if you look at Mpesa, I know it's a hackneyed story, but it's the same story, you know. Uh, mobile money at that time was created out of an impediment in a use case mm-hmm. in Kenya. And now mobile money is a big part of uh, commerce in, in Africa yeah. and globally. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of these novel cases where we can build on. And, and the beautiful element of uh, technology is nowadays, of course, you need the capital, mm-hmm. but you can build the idea without having left your environment. And you can start working on it instantly. The days of having to develop a plan, do a feasibility, go look for funders, are pretty much gone. Most of the companies that we interact with and we discover new all the time, Mm. are people who saw a problem, went to try to solve it, and most of them uh, learnt it off GitHub or uh, on YouTube, uh, and more recently, I'm sure, chat GPT-3 uh, GPT and GPT-4. Um, and that's how the ecosystem just multiplies and, and keeps growing. So when it comes to the ecosystem, uh, we've spoken quite a bit about the infrastructure, the foundations, you know, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, South Africa and a lot of, you know, parts of uh, the African continent, we're not giving ourselves enough credit uh, when it comes to the foundation that's been laid and the opportunities uh, that, you know, have come out of that, are coming out of that, and are bound to come out of something like that. And the fact that you have local players, you know, investing outwards because of uh, innovations that have happened here. I'm going to ask us to maybe get into the weeds a little bit. I'm asking you to put your finance hat on. 
Um, for a layman, right? Um, you mentioned just now that Standard Bank was uh, probably one of, if not the first player, you know, to give a big check to a player like Vumatao. Uh, Vumatao has done a lot to build up, you know, its fiber infrastructure. Um, Telcom has the biggest, uh, you know, uh, trove when it comes to those assets, the likes of Metro Fiber building, Octotel in the Western Cape, um, CIVH as a group, you know, doing what they're doing. What is the model? Like, what, how, how, how do people actually make a return on fiber infrastructure? And the reason I ask that is simply because, uh, once, a, once again, coming back to the checks, Standard Bank has signed big checks uh, or at least arranged, you know, um, I think there was a big deal that happened at the end of last year, 25 billion rand, Standard Bank was the lead arranger for Massive, which is basically CIVH, Dark Fiber of Mattel. And I guess we hope that Vodacom, you know, becomes a thing inside there. Um, I believe a year before that, Standard Bank also helped to fund Metro Fiber. And then I think RMB, um, Octotel. So there's definitely that um, appetite from the finance houses. Um, I think we've seen IFC. It should be IFC funding... Uh, both liquid and CCOM, you know, so the finance houses, you guys, you're seeing something. But I guess what we're just trying to understand is uh, just the basics of how do you look at the return profile? How do you, how does the, how do the numbers, you know, make sense for you guys? That's a good question. Uh, but maybe let's start with our philosophy on this. Yeah. So a, a big part of how we, look at these opportunities is their impact on society and the economy and the country. Yeah. So we know for certain there is a need for infrastructure yeah. in the telco space yeah. and it's going to continue to be there. Yeah. I think um, and that's what I was talking earlier about the credit that we should give the telcos. Mm. Almost every single year MTN, Vodacom, Telcom, Rain, all the players put massive capex budgets to invest in their infrastructure. I think if you add in totality for all of them, it's north of 20, 30 billion yeah, yeah. every single year as an industry mm. to invest in that. Mm. And a large part of how we see it is we also have to come to the table mm. and support that yeah. because all of this cannot be funded via equity. Mm. It might not be the optimal capital structure to also just do it via equity. Yeah. So we then come in with various solutions uh, to fund and help them with their CapEx builds uh, and in some cases uh, even relieve the pressure on, on their OPEX. You know, one of the key points I like talking about is, is devices. You know, um, the modern day device now for the average consumer is in the thousands of rands. Yeah. That investment to bring that device actually sits on the telco's balance sheet. Yes. And in many cases, they subsidize it so that yeah. the consumers can get access yeah, to the network. You know, and that's part of the investment. And if you think about the 100 million subscribers you're talking about, times the 2.3 or 1.6 devices that you have, that is a massive investment mm -hmm. and a big strain on, on cash flow. And so we need innovative solutions 
to be able to, to assist with that. But the return construct is really built on a couple of pillars. Okay. The first one is you obviously need the entrepreneurial capital. Yeah. Call it skin in the game. Okay. Entrepreneurs have to put something on the table, whether they're starting at the beginning, whether it's sweat, uh, whether it's yeah, it's <laughs> borrowing from friends, family, and the other F we don't want to talk about, you know. Yes. But you have to have that as the starting part because if you don't have that as the idea, then we actually have no concept to start building on. Yeah. And the second part is there has to be an addressable market that the, the solution is offering. Mm-hmm. And in infrastructure, uh, it's quite easy to figure out what the addressable market is, yeah. with digital infrastructure, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, for the fiber sector, it was really about connecting the homes and connecting the businesses in this country and connecting the other entities, be it social, schools, uh, departments of government, hospitals, etc., mm-hmm. uh, and giving them a secure connectivity line. And once you've got that and you've got the technology and you've got the pilot and you've got the equity, which is a big part uh, from other parties, and the equity ecosystem in South Africa is massively improving. Like yeah. it's, uh, I think if you wanted to set up a startup 10 years ago, which is what I also tried to do, you would have a okay, fraction. So you speak from a point of From experience, experience, yes, yeah. You'd have a fraction percentage-wise of the capital options that you've got now. Yeah. And the capital options move from venture capital to private equity, to family offices within then, mm-hmm. to sovereign funds in some cases, to developmental finance organizations, to agencies mm-hmm. which offer grants. So there's a whole pool of equity capital mm-hmm. around that, which help with the buildup of the capital structure. And then there is the financial institution market, which is where Standard Bank is a big player in. And we also have equity instruments, even though our equity instruments might not be as impactful and large as pure play equity players. Uh, but mostly we'll come in on the debt component of it yeah. and the ideas component of it. And once you put all those pillars together, then I think you've got enough to give a crack at at the business case. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about that 70 billion of revenues uh, that are generated from from fiber players, it's ultimately a buildup of all these pillars. Mm -hmm. And the return construct obviously is a function of a number of factors, some being regulation. Mm Um, and in this case, uh, consolidation is an important part uh, of the regulatory environment because it does allow for the capital to be able to recycle itself. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, and we've got brilliant regulators in this in this market, it can be done in a way that does not negatively impact competition mm-hmm. and prices to the consumer. Yeah. I think in many ways it actually leads to further investment mm-hmm. because we should not uh, forget that you know, the infrastructure once laid, 
because it's technical and it's technological can also become obsolete. So yeah. you need to be able to generate sufficient return for you to maintain that and develop it, etc. And these businesses grow to become very large businesses because that's the nature of infrastructure. Um, Likewise with technology, technology companies grow to be very large companies. And in some cases, the pools of capital need to be able to tap into global pools of capital to be able to help them invest. And so the consolidation assists massively with that uh, because international players will look at South Africa and say, oh, okay, cool, this is, this is a big entity. But in contrast with the other opportunities we see globally, it still has to develop. So we, we still need to create that attractiveness uh, component to it. But when you pierce it right to the bottom, we strongly believe that a good business will always be able to make a good return in the South African market. Mm-hmm. And that's not just a tell media and tech perspective I think it's across the board board, yeah Yeah. Um, because in as much as we have challenges we have a lot of brain power and we have a lot of technical skills that always constantly allow good businesses to be able to and be able to work out the return that beats their or beats their cost of capital I do need to uh I, I wish you knew. I'm actually enjoying this because I'm learning a lot, um, you know, around that. And perhaps one of my last uh, points around infrastructure is when when I look across the sector in South Africa and the continent, my question is this. What is, for an infrastructure player that is trying to scale, that's trying to put in you know, that fiber in the ground or those data centers down. What At the moment, what is the most efficient way of getting money into the business? I understand I'm asking someone who's a bit biased because you are, you know, uh, leaning more towards on the debt side of things. But it's just an appreciation of the fact that when I look at um, players like, uh, you know, CECOM, private equity backed. Yeah. I look at a Terraco on the data center side, private equity backed. Um, yeah, the the likes of uh, Harith and, you know, the types of, that's private equity, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, continent-wide, lots of telco infrastructure. At the same time, I see the likes of, uh, you know, Liquid, you know, going to Dublin. You know, they've got Euro bonds that are a big mm-hmm. part of, you know, their funding structure, you know, in the last couple of years, we've been talking quite a bit around listing. IHS listed in um, in the United States about uh, two or three years ago. Things haven't gone well for them. Telcom was also looking at a public markets type of play. That didn't play out well. So currently right now, if it, 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 as a way to efficiently get money into my business, I am... Gavaza fiber and I want to, I don't know, build an undersea cable or I want to do Cape to Cairo, you know, put the, 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 the fiber in, you know, what's, what's my best, what's my best bet right now? Or 
you know, I suspect you're going to tell me it's a combination, but <laughs> but you know, what's my best bet? You've answered halfway. <laughs> it's a combination dependent on where you are on the maturity scale of your business. Okay. So let's take a step back. Yeah. Whether you're a tech business, a media business, uh, telco business, infrastructure or no infrastructure, it's probably not prudent to get debt right at the beginning uh, because your cash flows don't justify it. Yes, 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 yes. So as you get through the continent of your growth and your maturity curve of business, there are different tools to tap into when it comes to capital. There are some businesses that have grown in the tech space with zero rands of debt. That's one of the key attractive features of the tech space because on your return on invested capital, it can be so high yeah. uh, because Guy writes a line of code. Yes, of course, there's additional R&D, etc. But if it flies, it flies. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. If you think of the classic Angry Birds story, yeah. develop the application, put the game out there, and it just blew up. Um, so in some cases, you can live without either equity or debt, yeah. depending on how your business is structured, and where in the maturity scale you are with that business. In um, infrastructure, though, it's highly unlikely that you can scale massively without a combination of both. So you definitely need the equity to kickstart the entity, to create a buffer for your lenders, uh, but you also need the debt. Otherwise, your equity return can become quite poor in the long term, yeah. given the long-term nature of, uh, of infrastructure assets. So depending on the maturity, where it is on its uh, growth continuum, and depending on which sector or subsector it falls in, if you're IP heavy, you might actually survive just purely on the equity side. Yeah. And in that case, you can tap into venture capital players, family offices. If you're lucky, you can get grants, mm -hmm. um, private equity players, uh, and you can build on from that. Mm -hmm. And if you are a mix, because there are entities that are a mix of both software tech and uh, infra, mm -hmm. if you think of your IoT players, then you probably need a mix of both long-term or short-term debt and uh, equity to glide you over as you go through your through your growth and invest. So it's impossible pretty much to have like a one-size-fits-all approach in this. And, and that's why I think if you're Gavaza Fiber, you should try to engage as much as possible with the whole community. And that's what I think we've done very well in this country, yeah. from Silicon Cape to the different uh, state agencies that are trying to ignite innovation. At every single one of those, you will find avenues 
Uh, and then if she can't, she can always reach out to Standard Bank, and uh, and we'll walk you, and we'll walk you through what what we believe is the solution. So that's where we end off uh, for today's session. Just uh, you know, getting into the telecoms uh, discussion with Kumbi. You know, really great. We are going to be taking a break here, and uh, you know, we advise that uh, you come back. Uh, you know, to hear part two because here in part one we were talking about the telecoms and infrastructure. But as you heard at the beginning, you know, Kumbi is uh, you know well versed in the world of technology, media, and telecoms. So today it's just been the telecoms piece, and uh, we will be you know moving on to the media and technology you know side of things specifically you know chatting about uh, things such as uh, you know online streaming as well as artificial intelligence and what that means Uh, so definitely make sure you wait and check that out And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my myself and the rest of the team it is a good evening good afternoon and good morning